time. So with that in mind, Matthew chapter one, verse 18, we're gonna start right here. This is Matthew's version of the birth of Jesus, how the birth of Jesus came to be. And he said this, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, you could just read this and think, all right, that's a cool story. But uh, what I want to do is I want to get kind of into the mind of what's going on in the life of Mary and in the life of Joseph during this time. I mean, can you just imagine how odd the conversation would be for, <laughs> for Mary to have Joseph sit down? Hey, Joe, um, let's, let's talk a second. Um, I know we're about to get married and everything, but um, I got to give you this news. I'm pregnant you know, and he's probably like, what are you talking about? Like, we haven't, you know, and she's like, I know, it's by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine how that conversation would have gone? Can you imagine being Joseph and listening to them going, really, like, that's the best you could come up with? Like, the Holy Spirit <laughs> made you pregnant? Like, you know, just imagine what's going on in this, in, in this guy, Joseph's life, you know? Like, and so you have to admit, from a human perspective, he's got two options, right? If, if, if he doesn't believe the Holy Spirit thing, he's got two options. Either he believes that she is crazy, like she's gone, or she's lying to him. And so imagine he's, he's, he's wrestling with this. The Holy Spirit made you pregnant, really, okay. And so you have to acknowledge that at some point, Joseph is gonna be asking himself, all right, now what do I do? Like, she just told me that she's pregnant. Do I just, like, stay with her, or do I leave? Or, or, or what should I, I mean, I mean like, She's ruining all of our plans. We're supposed to get married, and now she's pregnant. And so from his perspective, you know, she's already marked. And so I, I, I you know, this, is, this was sin during this time. We talked about this last Sunday, that to be pregnant out of wedlock, the punishment was to get stoned to death, punishable by death. They would stone you. So from his perspective, he's, he's marked as well for the rest of his life. And if he's the guy that got her pregnant, or if she got pregnant by somebody else, imagine what he has to live with from that point on. And so he's got to find it hard to find a job, right? Imagine he goes in to get an oil change for his donkey, and, and the company's like, sorry, we don't do those kind of donkeys here. Sorry, you have to go somewhere else, because he's like marked. And so they don't want to service him. He's, he's, got, he's, the, guy, he's the guy that got her pregnant. He's the guy, right? Everybody's gonna know what's going on in this guy's life. So we don't know for sure the state of his mind, but what we do know from the text is that he's bailing on the relationship. Did you know that? He was getting ready to go ghost, to get like, I'm gonna just go on, do my own thing. That's what he was thinking. And so he, either he doesn't believe her or he doesn't wanna take the heat or whatever, but he's thinking about leaving Mary. He's like, okay, you know, I think it's best if we just separate from this moment on. You go your way, I go my way. Let's look at verse 19. We see how this unfolds. But because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to do what? Say it aloud. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he's bailing. He's jumping out of the relationship. Now, a lot of commentaries that I read about this passage, they said that what he was actually doing was a favor to her. He was trying to do it quietly, so as not to make a big deal, so as not to spread like what he was doing, you know, what she did, what happened to her. So he's thinking, you know, I will just do this quietly, you go your way. You know, maybe she goes to another city. 
and she has the baby over there, and she starts all over again. Maybe she does that, and then I go to another city, and, and then we just kind of start all over. We hit reset, right? Um, and so that's what's going on. Um, and so he's about to learn one of the most important life lessons for those who want to honor God. One of the most important life lessons, and that is this. Pleasing God often means disappointing people. Pleasing God often means disappointing people. He's going to learn this powerful truth that if you want to obey God, there will be many times when other people will not agree with you. You're right? They, they, they will not understand. But pleasing God often means disappointing people. And here's how the story goes down in verse 20 and 21. But after Joseph had considered this, in other words, after he had weighed out the pros and the cons, and he thought these pros and cons, there's more cons than pros, way more if I stay with her than if I don't, so I'm just gonna leave, right? He weighs out the, the pros and the cons, he decides he's gonna move on down the road. Verse 20, after he considered all of this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, so the angel is essentially about to tell him, listen, Joe, calm down. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Listen, listen, it's not that bad. I know you think it's the end of the world because she's pregnant and your whole wedding plans, you know, are kind of upside down. And, but listen to me, Joe, it's not that bad. My version says, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 21. I think it's so powerful. She will give birth to a son and you will give and you are to give him the name Jesus because he what? Do what? Say, let's all say it aloud. Because Jesus will save his people from their sins. You will give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. So at this moment, when he awakes from his dream, imagine what's like going on in his mind like there, there's got to be like this swing of emotions right so like before he goes to bed he's thinking I feel betrayed like she she got pregnant I mean I saw I saw the way that guy was looking at her when she was by the well you know it was that guy I'm sure it was that guy right like she says it was the Holy Spirit but I'm sure it was that guy you know I imagine he's thinking all these emotions and he's thinking all right I'm gonna have to leave her I still love her but I'm gonna have to leave her and so he's thinking about leaving her, and then this angel appears and tells her this. He says, you're going to give birth to a son. You're going to call him. He's going to save the world. So now, like, all of a sudden, she's thinking about bailing, and then he's got these other emotions. Oh, my word. Like, the Messiah, the one that they've been talking about and prophesying for centuries, he's about to be born. Like, now, and I get to be a part of it. I get to be a part of this whole thing that I've been hearing about for centuries, all my life and even beyond that. Wow. I get to be a part of that. So like the pendulum swings, of, can you guys see that? In the emotions, you know? So does he run for his life? Does he stay? What? So he's probably wrestling with this. Do I obey what God is asking me to do? Or, or do, could I be a part of something that could possibly change the world, you know? And so, you know, people are probably, listen, she's pregnant. Don't marry this girl. Like she's bad news. If she got pregnant now, imagine what she's gonna do when you get married, right? <laughs> right? That's what we say. We're like, dude, she's doing that now. Just wait. Wait till she gets married, you know? And so, you know, and plus, her life was in jeopardy. She was about, she could possibly be stoned to death, right? And so, well, what, should he do? what should Joseph do? Should I please God or should I do what people want me to do? Should I do what God wants or should I do what people want? And I can promise you this. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're going to have this 
crossroads in your life, okay? You're gonna be confronted with opportunities to either obey God or do something that's way, way easier, right? To win the approval of people. And Joseph is gonna learn these very important principles. So if you're taking notes, why does this matter so much? The first thing is, and this is gigantic, ginormous, all right, in the lives of people who are followers of Jesus, that becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget about what God thinks about you. Becoming obsessed with what other people think about you is the quickest way to forget about what God really thinks about you. And the reality is for most of us, we drift toward wanting to please people so often. We, we drift into that. What do you think of me? Do you like me? Right? Do, you, do, do I measure up? Am I cool enough? Do, do you like what I'm doing? Can I be part of your, you know, of your club? Can we be friends? You know? Do you think I'm doing the right thing? And suddenly, without even meaning to, we surrender our lives to the opinions of other people and, and at the expense of actually pleasing God. And so how do we overcome this? How do we overcome? So becoming obsessed with what other people think is the quickest way to forget about what God thinks about you. Here's the good news, and this is so powerful. The flip side is true, which is already up on the big screen behind me, it is this, and you can write it down if you'd like, Beca or take a picture. You could take a screenshot of it if you'd like. So becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget about what other people think about you. Living for an audience of one and saying, you know, God, I wanna please you no matter what. I do this for you and no one else you're the one that matters. I'm living for you. Uh, perhaps, you know, the only way to grow past living for the approval of others is becoming obsessed with God, with what God thinks about you. And here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. When you think about, you know what? If you think about it, you can't please everyone, right? One day, you're gonna be like, hey, do you like my hair? And some people are gonna be like, yeah, I do, but this group over here, you're like, dude, no, you're like 43, why, why you got a, like a high school kid haircut? Like, come on, let it grow, like, you know? And I'm like, no, 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 I gotta look younger, you know? So I gotta do this right over here on this side, right? Do you like the music? You know, I like this kind of music. Does it fit in with you? No, I don't, I used to like that music, but I've, you know, I've matured. I don't like that music anymore, you know? And, and, or politically, oh, I stand here politically. This is, this is what I believe in, you know? And, and, oh, oh, I used to believe in that, but not anymore, so I don't like you now because you believe in that. Or, you know, what if we say, well, I'll just stand in the middle because I can't make anybody happy. Guess what? You'll be hated by both people, right? And so we, we it's so often that we, try, we fall into trying to become, trying to get approval from other people. But the good news is you can please God. You can please God. You can live a life where God looks at you and says, you know what, you did good. I'm happy with the way you're living your life because you stop living for the approval of other people. You're living for, for me, for my glory, to make my name known. And he's ready to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So how do we overcome living for what other people think of us? How, how do we overcome this? You know, when we surrender ourselves to living for an audience of one, becoming obsessed with what God thinks about us is the quickest way to forget about what other people, and will set us free from what other people think about us. And this is what Joseph is gonna have to get to a place in his life where he says, you know what? I'm gonna make that decision as well. I value the opinion of God above the opinion of people, and I'm just gonna do what God is inviting me to do. 
And so how is this gonna play out in our everyday lives? Let's talk about that. How's that gonna play out? I, I wanna give you two big thoughts, two big thoughts today that I want, you to I want you to take with you and apply it in your life. Let me give you these two thoughts. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. And I, I think this will really speak to many of you that are here. It's so important because when you're living for God, not everybody's gonna like it. It's just true. Not everybody's gonna like it. So pleasing God often means disappointing people. It just does. So number one, you can write this down. If you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. If you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you are not ready to be used for God. So I'm gonna say it again because you guys are kind of quiet in the house today, but I think this is kind of powerful and I'm feeling it, I don't know about you, so I'm gonna say it again. If you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you are not ready to be used by God. Think about all the different ways that Joseph and Mary were criticized. Think about it, all right? I mean, if ever they were gonna be criticized, it was the, by the simple fact that she got pregnant before she got married, right? I mean, she was publicly disgraced. People would whisper about them shh, shh, when they walk into the door, when they walk into any, walking into the market, shh, those are the people, she got pregnant, did you see that? And, and somebody else, you know, I, I saw Joseph's donkey parked in front of her house at two o'clock in the morning, and I'm sure there was not no Bible study, no Holy Spirit conceived there. They were up to no good. You know, they're gonna be hearing these whispers and, and rumors about, and this is what, this is what, they become public figures. This is what they're having to face, and I don't know how it will play out in your life, but there's gonna be a time where you're reading God's word, and God's word tells you to do something that is culturally unpopular. You're gonna be reading God's word and you're gonna to have to make a decision. If I obey, I'm gonna be criticized. If I obey what God is inviting me into, and you may be here and you may hear the voice of God and, and he's leading you to do something. You may be a teenager here or a college student and you're breaking free of the party lifestyle. And you say, you know what, I'm gonna serve Christ. I used to get drunk, but I'm not gonna do that anymore, right? I, I'm, I'm not gonna do drugs anymore I, and all that party stuff, you know? And people are gonna be like, what is wrong with you? What, why are you leaving? This is like how we have a good time. Why are you not, you know, partying with us? I don't get it. Or you might say, you know what? No matter what I did in the past, I'm no longer gonna have sex until I get married. And your friends are like, what? You know how archaic that is? You know how like, well, what, what are you talking about? You're not gonna have sex until you get married. Like nobody does that. You're a weirdo, you're a freak, you know? And, and they're gonna make fun of you. Or you may say, you know what? I know everybody's thinking about going for spring break to the beach, that's great. I'm not gonna do that. I feel like God is calling me to go on a mission trip. And so I'm gonna save up my money and I'm gonna go on this mission trip and people are gonna be criticizing you for that. Like, why are you spending all this money on a mission trip to go serve other people when you could be having a good time with us? I, I don't get it. And they're gonna make fun of you. Or you may be in a place where you actually leave a high paying job to go to a low paying job because you feel like, you know, I can make a bigger impact. These people are, are changing the world and I wanna, be a, wanna make a difference in this, you know, in this world and I can do this in this new job even though the pay isn't as high. And everybody's gonna be like, why would you do that? That makes no sense. I mean, all the world is about is about making money. How can you leave a high, that makes no sense. That's idiotic. They're gonna make fun of you. Or maybe you're gonna decide that you're gonna stay in that high paying job, but you're gonna live so beneath your means that all that extra money that you make, you're gonna start living generously. 
and radically, and you're gonna start giving it away to people, and you're gonna start helping people that couldn't help themselves, and people are gonna credit, why would you do that? You have, you know, you could buy all these toys, and you could do all this traveling. Why would you live beneath your means when you could be having a great time with life? And you say, well, the reason why I'm doing it is because God is inviting me, he's calling me to do this, and they're gonna mock you, and they're gonna make fun of you, and if you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you are not ready to be used by God. I like to teach leaders this truth, and this is that the more you do, the more pain you will experience. If you wanna make a difference in this world, you're gonna experience, you're gonna have to endure pain. And the more pain, more pain and more, if you wanna make a difference, I'm telling you, right? If you live a life where nobody criticizes you, where, where, where let me tell you, you know, you're, you're, you're probably not doing much right? You're not standing for much. You've got nothing. But I want to tell you today that I choose the bullets. I choose the bullets. I would rather do something significant and have people shoot at me than than do nothing at all. And that's why I tell our church sometimes, hey, listen, if we're not being criticized for what we do, then we're not being effective. Our church needs to be criticized. They need to make fun of us. They need to mock us for what we're doing because if not, we're not being, I am dead serious about that. Everything significant that I've ever done in my life, I've been criticized for. I have two little boys, professionally and personally. I have two little boys. Marie and I decided that we were gonna take our boys and put them in a private Christian school. You know how I got, I I have a lot of family in the education, you know, world. You know how much I got criticized? I'm not just saying family, other people criticize. What? Why are you going to spend all this money in a private Christian school? It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody, but that's what we felt like we were supposed to do. We're going to invest our lives. It's a commitment. It's an investment. We're going to invest. We're going to live enough. I mean, it's a lot of money. It's super expensive, but you know what? We're going to do this because we really believe in the education in a Christian. I went to a Christian university, and I saw the impact it could have on somebody's life when you are surrounded by the word of God from little. And so we decided we're going to do that. But I have to tell you, I got mocked. I got criticized. Professionally, here at this church, a couple weeks ago, I had this guy I hadn't seen in a few months. He came up to me, and he was criticizing us as a church. Well, you know, I, I can't believe you guys did that thing on Halloween. You guys are a church. Why are you guys celebrating Halloween? We did a, tr- in case you don't know, we did a trunk or treat like the Saturday before Halloween. Why are you guys, that's the devil's day. How could you be celebrating Halloween? How could you do that? And he left. He didn't give me a chance to explain. I was like, okay. But what he doesn't know is that because we did this event, we had over half the people that showed up had never been to the Doral Vineyard before. First time guests. That was more than we've had that whole month of visitors that came by and donned the doors of our church, right? And so we'll do it. We'll do it. But I'm telling you that the quickest way, becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what other people think about you. And so that's, that's thought number one is that if you're not ready to be criticized, if you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, then what? Then you're not ready to be used by God, right? If you're not ready to get shot at, you're not ready to be used. So that's thought number one. Number two, if you're taking notes, and this is gonna set some of you free, extraordinary acts of God often happen, often start with ordinary acts of obedience. Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. Think about this. Think about this. These two teenage little girl, uh, two teenage kids, sorry, not little girl, but two teenage kids heard the invitation from God to have this baby and they said yes. 
All they said was, yes. And, and, and think about it. The Savior of the world was born when two teenage kids said yes to God in a simple act of obedience. And what's crazy is this. This is what's crazy. If you try, if you try to get into the mind of Mary and Joseph, what did the angels tell them? Hey, you're going to have a child. You're going to call him Jesus, and he's going to be the Savior of the world. That's it. Not like, this is how you're going to raise your child. They didn't, the angel didn't give them the details. The angel just told them, this is what's going to happen, and this is what you're going to do. Like, if you're like in the mind of Mary and Joseph, like, thinking, okay, so how do we raise the Son of God? Like, like, like do we put him in time out? Do we, you know, <laughs> spank him? I mean, he's the Son of God. He's perfect. Is he going to be like putting us in time out because we're not perfect and spanking us? Like, how do we do this? And God didn't give him the details. And I love this, and I'm learning this so often, right, that oftentimes well, God doesn't give us the details. You know, we're like, God, show me the details. God, show me. And, and God is simply saying, look, you can't handle the details. <laughs> if I gave you the details, you would never start obeying me. You would never take the first step. And so they didn't know the details. And, and what I'm learning is that we don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. We don't have to have the, the whole piece of the puzzle, the picture, in order to put the first piece. We don't. We don't. We just have to obey. Because going back to last week, if you were here, you might remember that outcome is whose responsibility. Anybody remember? Outcome is whose responsibility? Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is our responsibility. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is ours. Extraordinary acts of God often start with simple acts of obedience. And, and this is so encouraging to me. You have no idea what you might set into motion with your simple act of obedience. You, you have no idea what your simple obedience towards God might do, right? No idea what you might set into motion when you simply obey what God puts on your heart. And I'm gonna keep preaching this until I'm red in the face and then some more, that you have no idea what you, your simple act of obedience, what you can set into motion when you obey God, when you do what God calls you to do. In fact, years ago, I remember I was living in Oklahoma, and I was serving as a youth pastor at a Methodist church, and I was serving there, and I remember there was this guy at the church, his name was Steve, and he came up to me, and he said, Abdi, I know you're, you're getting ready to move on. You're in seminary. I was in seminary, and I was working full-time, student full-time, working full-time at, at the church. I actually started part-time, and then I went on full-time at the church. And he said, Abdi, man, I know you're getting ready to move on. You're going to leave Oklahoma. You should check out Vineyard Churches. And I was like, okay. And he would get the magazines from the Vineyard Church back in the day, and he would put them on my desk, put them on my desk, put them on my desk. And I got a stack of them, and I never looked at them. Until one day... I come into my desk and I see the picture of this person on it and the name that had the same name as my god brother. And I was like, whoa, okay, let me look at this. So I start reading and I'm like, wow, Vineyard Churches, this sounds really cool. It sounds like I want to be a part of a Vineyard Church. It sounds really good. So I visited a Vineyard Church in Oklahoma and I thought, okay. And then I knew I was moving to Miami and I was like, well, let me go check out a Vineyard Church in Miami. I found a Vineyard Church in Miami. This wasn't it. It wasn't around. And I went to the Vineyard Church in Miami. And I was so moved by that church. I was like, I want this to be my church. And I started going to the church. And years, not years, actually weeks passed that I decided to make the church my church. And I started serving. My heart was so moved. I was like, I'm going to start serving. I started serving in the kids area. 
And then my heart was so moved, I saw young adults that was, a group was starting for young adults. And I said, you know what? I'll go serve over there. And I started serving with the young adults. And then a little while later, I was invited to come on staff and be a pastor here at, at that church. And so I became a pastor. And I, my heart was so moved, Doral Vineyard came around. And I was invited to come and become a pastor at the Doral Vineyard. And I'm like, yes. And aren't you glad I'm here? Yes, I'm glad I'm here. But the point is, you have no idea what you can set into motion with the simple. Because Steve thought, I don't know why, I don't know why, you should, you should check out Vineyard Churches. Here's a magazine, here's a magazine, here's a magazine. You have no idea what you can set into motion with the simple act of obedience that will bring a lot of glory to God. And so today, you may be here, and you know we have a Christmas Eve Eve service, which is mañana, tomorrow, at 7.30. And so you have no idea the people that you invite, what you can set into motion in their family's life because you invited them to come to the Christmas Eve Eve service at the Doral Vineyard mañana, tomorrow, at 7.30 p.m., all right? You have no idea how generations might be different by a single act of obedience because God puts someone on your heart today. You're like, man, you know, it'd be great. This church would be great for someone. Let me go text them and invite them to come to church tomorrow because I'll, I'll be there tomorrow. So when you feel prompted to serve somewhere in our church, you have no idea what you might, who you might impact, whose life might be changed, might become different, just because, you know, whose life you might bless, just because you decided to do something for somebody else. And suddenly, Maybe the high point of your day is going to serve at the Doral Vineyard behind the scenes where nobody knows all your, you know, what you do professionally during the week, but they, you're here, you're serving behind the scenes, and nobody's, but you're serving like Jesus did, and you find love, and you find joy, and you find fulfillment in doing that. So some of you, you might start to tithe, and you have no idea. One day you look back, and you're just like, oh my word, because I started tithing, look at the impact it's had on my life. Look at the impact it's had on my marriage. Look at the impact it's had on my family. Look at the impact it's had on my relationships. Look at the impact it's had on my finances. When we took this single act of obedience, and some of you, you might foster. There's some of you here today, you're thinking about fostering. You're thinking about adopting, and you don't know the details. You're like, I don't even know how this is supposed to all work out, uh, how we're gonna do that. It's gonna cost us. I don't even know if we have enough, but how, where it's gonna come from. But you know what? You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately, and you just take that next step. And years later, you're like, wow, I'm so glad I took that next step. Look at this person's life that I was able to impact, that I was able to love. Or, or you know what? You might even be surprised by the impact they've had on your life and the way that person or that child has changed your life, right? Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. And so the angel speaks to Joseph and he says this. He says, calm down, Joseph. It's not that bad. Listen up, all right? Don't be afraid. Just take Mary as your wife because what is in her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Now he's got a choice to make. Joseph has a choice to make. Does he do what's easy or does he do what's right? Does he do what people are expecting him to do or does he do what 
God would want him to do? Does he do what God wants him to do or does he just make it easy and just, you know what, I, I care more about what other people think because becoming obsessed with what other people think is the quickest way to forget about what God thinks about you. However, the flip side is true. Becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget about what other people think about you. So in one little verse, we see this decision. Joseph's decision is right here. And this is what's so encouraging to me about this one little verse is that God is gonna prompt many of you to do something through his word or by his spirit with this one sentence that could summarize even your response. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And through that simple act of obedience, the greatest act of God to humanity in human history was brought to fulfillment. And you have no idea what you can set into motion with the single act of obedience. Can you guys say yes? So when God speaks to you, you wrestle with it. And you think, okay, is this easy or is this what God wants me to do? Is, is this, should I do what people want me to think or should I do what God thinks, right? And, and there could be one sentence that is a destiny-altering sentence. And you did what the Lord prompted you to do. I promise you, you have no idea what a single act of obedience you can set into motion when you obey what our good God invites you and puts into your heart. Would you bow your heads and let me pray with you today? Father, I ask today that by the power of your spirit that you would speak to your church. God, that we would be sensitive to what you would want to say to us directly through your word or by the power of your spirit, God, that we would follow what you would call us to do and that we would be obedient, trusting you, God, with the outcome, being faithful to you with our obedience. And as you take a moment today and you're praying, there may be those of you who would recognize like I do. I so often battle with this, like, you know, not, not just at the back of my mind, but at the front of my mind. What are we, you know, what are they gonna think about me? What, 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 am, am I gonna fit in? Do I measure up? Are they gonna like me? Where do I stand? If I do this, what are people going to think? And I want with all my heart to overcome the fear of what people think and become so obsessed with what God thinks about me that I'm not moved by the opinions of people. And there are those of you that you would recognize, you know, I'm often more concerned about with what people think than I am with what God thinks. And today I want to be totally and completely transformed. You're saying that I want to be different. I want to align myself with the heart of God and I want to be obsessed with his will and his purpose and his kingdom and his plan and his goodness and his direction and I want to live for him even above the opinions of people and if that's you, would you just stand with me right now? I want to just take a moment and pray for you. Just stand with me and this is an important, an important symbolic moment of faith before God and so Father, I thank you for the people that are standing today. They genuinely sense the burden and the responsibility knowing, God, it's so easy to surrender to the opinions of people. But God, we want to have the courage to obey you no matter what. And so God, I pray that as we read your word and as we are in your presence, that your Holy Spirit would build our faith, build our passion. God, to obey you 
understanding that we don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. And God, I pray that time and again, and even today, when there would be an opportunity to do the wrong thing or do the right thing, when you prompt us, God, that we're always gonna do the right thing. God, I pray that we would be sensitive to what your voice would say to lead us, even into things that, where people would criticize us. That God, that we would be so much rather concerned about pleasing you than what people, if people like us knowing that people are so fickle anyway. God, I pray that we would be obsessed with you, God, that your kingdom would be first in our hearts, God, that we would obey what you call us to do and that we, would, we could look back at this moment, God, and worship you and thank you, knowing that we have no idea what we can set into motion when we took a simple moment to obey you at your word. God, give us the courage to live above the opinion of people, and only for the approval of God. And as you keep praying today, there is a verse in the story that is the most important verse. You'll give birth to a son, his name will be Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you every single one, that you've done things to, to hurt the heart of God. Trying to win the approval of people. I can't count personally. It would be tens of thousands of times when I have disobeyed God's command in order to get people to like me. And the bottom line is that we do that because we're bent towards sin. We're all sinners. Jesus was born of a virgin, therefore he did not inherit the sin nature of an earthly father. He had the divine nature of a heavenly father. And all of us, because we have an earthly father, we inherit the sin nature. We're bent towards sin. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God, and you know it. Your conscience gives you away. When you do something and you know that it's wrong, where did that come from? It's divinely planted by God to show us that we have a deep need for a savior. And there are those of you that would recognize that you're not living for the approval of God because the reality is you're living for the approval of people. And the reason that God brought you here today is because you're gonna put him first. You're gonna call on his son, Jesus, and you're gonna surrender your life to him. And when you do, he will forgive you of all your sins and he will make you brand new. And that is why you're here and you know it. And I need you to, to just look up at me right now. Everybody just look up at me. Nobody's head down. Everybody's eyes looking at me. Today, we're going to go public with our faith. Today, we're going to go public. And we're going to say, you know what? I don't care what people think. I don't care. I need Jesus today. I need his forgiveness. I, I want to follow him today. And I want to serve him with all my heart. Because Jesus said this, he said, if you don't confess me before men, then I won't confess you before my Father who is in heaven. But if you confess me before people, I will confess you before my God in heaven. And there are some of you here today that God brought here today so that you can make your public confession. Um, you're saying, you know what, I'm not following Jesus but I want him to be first. I want to follow Jesus. And so today I want to surrender my life to him. I need his salvation. 
publicly before God and everybody here, I need, I want to submit my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If that's you, I'm just going to simply invite you to lift your hand with me right now. Just lift it up. Lift it up all over this place. Just lift it up. I see these hands on this section over here, in this middle section. I see those hands in the back. I see the hands over here in this section. God bless you guys. We're going to pray a prayer together. You guys can put your hands down. And God bless you. God is in this place. And he's changing the hearts of people. And so I, I just want everybody to pray this prayer with me. Actually, I want everybody to stand up with me. Let's just pray this prayer together. Nobody prays alone. Everybody pray together. We're family here. So everybody say right now, just say, Heavenly Father, take my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me so that I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Doral Vineyard, would you celebrate with me today that people said yes to Jesus for the very first time? Amen.